0: This, 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 this is K-U-T. you. K-U-T. K-U-T, Austin. Stop. I used to get mad.
1: And welcome to Higher Ed, KUT's podcast focusing on issues of higher education, lifelong learning, and exercising the brain. I'm Jennifer Staten with KUT 90.5, Austin's NPR station, talking as always with Dr. Ed Berger, president of Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas. Hello, Ed. Hello, Jennifer. So today's episode, I want to dig into something that I think Is fairly controversial these days, though. I don't think it's necessarily a new controversy, and it's all about homework. I know a common complaint, a common criticism, especially I think in elementary and high school, is that students have too much homework. And that after a full, you know, seven or eight or sometimes closer to nine hours in the classroom, the last thing that a young person needs to do is spend two or three or four more hours at home doing more homework. Yet that seems to be for many classes and many schools, that's still the drill. So, I want to spend some time today talking about homework and getting your thoughts on it. But what I actually want to start with is a, a little bit of history, if you will, and why we have homework in the first place. Because it occurs to me, I don't know why or how that became a part of s- school and academic life to begin with.
0: Well, again, it's the question of what is it that's the goal? of that formal education and uh most and traditionally and i think this is true at most places today it's about uh conveyance of the content and then practicing the techniques the algorithms uh you know memorizing the dates and so forth uh and that practice means it has to be active so it's really about active learning of course, with technology, a lot of that active learning now can happen in the classroom. But historically, the the, the teacher, if you would, would lecture and and you know partake her wisdom to these you know pathetic little students there who are trying to you know take it all in. And then at home is when they actually then practice the art of doing that thing. That's the history of it in terms of the timing of it. I'm now speaking personally. I'm not speaking even in on behalf of southwestern university or other educators, but just personally, I think that we give way too much homework at young ages. And probably the right amount of homework at, at old ages. So, again, this is a biased approach because I do teach older students. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm teaching college students. But I believe that, first of all, in the lower grades, you're meeting every day with every topic. So, you're, you're in school a lot longer. When you're in college, you're taking four classes. They meet three times a week or twice a week. And so, it's a little bit more time open for you to pursue and make more meaning and have the practice of, of that. The other thing is that when we're young, we should be young we should be kids and it should be play and homework should be play. In fact, when I do workshops for teachers, I often, the first thing I say is, why do we call it homework, right? I mean, what is that instilling as to the point on your life to this exercise? It should be thought of as joy. It should be thought of as play. And so I always say it should be called home play. So we should be assigning home play and think of the, the mindset, right? So instead of the, a mom saying, you know, to her kid, Hey, have you finished your your homework in math yet? They could say, "Have you finished, you know, your home play in math?" No, no, no. I've got some more play to do. I'll be I'll be done playing in five minutes. And then it also instills this idea that that learning and practicing ideas can be fun. And so this idea of even the word work, I don't like.
1: Well, and what about the idea of balance? And you alluded to this in in speaking about younger students who are already in school all day. If they're in school all day, and then they have to spend whatever amount of time in the evening or on weekends doing more work, we'll call it work because that's the term, homework, outside of the classroom, you're really eating into playtime, sports time, arts time, family time, sleeping time, (laughs) resting time, you know, time for all the other things that make a balanced life.
0: Absolutely. And and of course, the reality, as you well know, is that often... It's the parents or guardians or family members that will actually help. And this wasn't so much the case when I was young because I didn't get that much homework. But I do remember a couple of occasions, especially in uh, my English classes, where there were so many words, vocabulary words, that had to be looked up in the dictionary that I remember one evening my dad went through and put little bookmarks in the dictionary on the pages where that definition – he didn't write that definition, but he found them for me. So all I had to do was just go through because I had so much other homework – but that was rare for me. I love the idea of, of having this home play be something that, that is not so arduous and that has meaning. I remember doing something uh, when I was a senior in high school and I was taking calculus, which I was very excited about. Yes, I had no friends. I actually remember the visceral memory of kneeling In front of my bed, and I had like my calculus book, textbook, and my notebook, my spiral bound notebook on the bed. So I was kind of, you know, writing kind of on the bed, using the bed like a desk, but I was Uh kneeling in front of it. And having an epiphany, it was, I think it was the very first homework assignment that uh, Mrs. Metzler assigned to us. And I figured this thing out that I'd never seen before. And it was basically, uh, it doesn't matter what it is, but I, I never saw this thing before. The question was to figure this thing out and I did it and I, I was convinced it was wrong because it was so bizarre and it turned out I discovered the next day in class that I was right. It was such a triumphant moment for me that that one question I remember literally kneeling in front of my bed working and in hindsight how proud I was that I mastered that. That one question is the only homework assignment I remember from kindergarten until I entered college. Well, that I, says something, it, right? There was there was a meaningful moment there. So why not have home play be meaningful so it they become memorable?
1: My homework memories are very little about the content, but a lot about just the raw amount of time and how many late nights mm-hmm. and maybe I was just a big nerd, right. but how many late nights I spent, especially in high school, staying up late trying to finish it and my, how much sleep deprivation and all a big of that.
0: moment for me was i think it was my sophomore year in uh, in in high school my father purchased an ibm selectric which had the balls so you could yes. have different fonts this is before of course computers it just revolutionized my life every paper had a, i used different fonts when i was doing science or math i could actually type the symbols and so it was the and no one else really had that that was so cutting edge my dad had it for his job, and and he let me use it, and it was a big deal. But then I was typing everything. You make a mistake, as you know, you have to basically start all over if you white out too much. Today, it's great; just hit the delete sure. key and keep going.
1: Ah, the ease of now, all we, of sound this today, now we, we, we sound old. Now we sound old. All right, let's move on to the puzzler before Good. we start sounding too old. Thank you. Although this one is a bit
0: retro. <laughs> it's also true, actually, it's <laughs> a old puzzler. Does refer
1: <laughs> to a seventies TV show, but oh, that's no. all right. Ed, remind us about the Monty Hall Puzzler. That's
0: right. So the Monty Hall Puzzler, in brief, is you are a contestant on a game show, and you are standing in front of three closed doors. You are told that behind two of those doors are goats, so one goat behind each door, and behind the uh, third door, and you don't know which one, is a brand new car. The host, Monty Hall, asks you to pick a door. Uh, Last time you said door three, so fine, door three. Now, Monty Hall knows where the goats are. So no matter what door you pick, there's at least one or maybe two doors remaining that have goats behind them, and he will open one of those. And you know that. So you know he's going to do that. So he said, okay, fine. You pick door number three. Let's open door number one. And then door number one opens, and you see a goat, and everyone's cheering. Oh, you dodged that you know, bullet or right. that goat. And so great, fine. And now Monty Hall turns to you and says, do you want to now stick with your door number three, or do you want to switch to door number two? What is your choice? And the question is, uh, is it better to stick with your first guess, switch, or does it not make a difference? If you're trying, the goal, by the way, is to get the car. Right. If, you, if you're assuming... looking for a goat, if you're looking for a goat, then it's a different different question. <laughs> yes, we're assuming, assuming the car is what you want.
1: Assuming that you want the car. So, you know, at first blush, it seems like your answer would be, well, it doesn't matter because there's one goat left, one car left, and two doors.
0: You're, you're at, you are you're you know there's one goat, you know there's, there's one, one car, car, and so does it make a difference?
1: Right. And so at first blush, you know, I think the temptation is to say, no, it doesn't make a difference because it's 50-50, where's the goat, where's the car? I've got two doors, I have a goat,
0: I have a car. There are two possibilities right. that is true, and so it should make a difference.
1: But what I'm wondering is, just thinking further, and I'm assuming you would stop me if that's the correct answer. No, I
0: wouldn't. You're thinking I'm going to wait for you to be <laughs> well, done. all right.
1: Let's do some more thinking. So what I'm just wondering is if the presence of the other goat changes the, the probability of ah. goat's presence.
0: Now, you're mentioning probability and not just uh two possible outcomes
1: but i may be using the word incorrectly as a math term
0: who cares but (laughs) let's just let's just go back to that for a second so there's two possible scenarios there's a goat and a car behind one of those two doors right yes so let me offer a different one in fact i think i mentioned last time that kyle a student of mine asked this and was struggling with the answer and i offered this i said okay so here we are in beautiful georgetown texas Mm -hmm. okay where it's very nice and, and warm today even though it's it's almost the end of the year. Uh, Now, there are two possibilities for tomorrow. It will either snow or it will not snow. There are only two possibilities. And yet, I'm willing to wager, if you were a wagering person, that we will not have snow uh, tomorrow because that's just not what the weather is like here in Georgetown, Texas. So even though there are only two possibilities, it doesn't mean that they each happen with the same likelihood. So two possibilities does not imply 50, 50. And that's what you're suggesting. And I want to just amplify that point. You see, you see what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, I do. Yes. That's what, that's what I am suggesting. And and only because of the presence of the other goat, Mm -hmm. but I'm not really sure where that takes me as far. Well,
0: then you, then you, then you best guess because I mean, literally Monty is waiting here saying, do you want to stick or switch?
1: So the the other thing that comes into play, though, is that even <laughs> if I could figure out how the goat works in, I still don't know where the goat would be. I mean, are goats more likely to hang out next to each other? No, no. <laughs> the goats are being
0: placed there by people. Okay. So, so the different rooms.
1: So even factoring in the presence of the other goat, mm-hmm. I think I'm still going to go back to um, –
0: She's really thinking, ladies I'm and gentlemen. Really th- this is I'm really thinking. This is drama. Let's let's just, let's just be quiet for a moment and let's <laughs> listen to Jennifer think quietly. So
1: I picked door three, Correct. but I really have no way of knowing. I opened door one. Right. Oh, door one has a goat. So put that aside. There's really, there's no way of knowing. So I'm going to say, I'm going to go with it doesn't matter.
0: Okay, so it doesn't matter. doesn't and now, matter. Now it's a game show. Are so you going to stick with gonna, three or switch? I'm going to
1: stick with three because. You're
0: stick with three. There,
1: I, have, I don't have control over the goat place. So your
0: answer is it does not matter and you're sticking with three.
1: That is my answer.
0: Okay, now.
1: Now I want to hear the solution. I'm so excited.
0: No, 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 no. You're going to figure this out for yourself. Okay. So now here's the question. Yes. I'm going to now, and we've learned this from effective thinking, Yes. look at extreme cases. Yes. So to build an insight, Let's look at some extreme cases. Okay. So now I want you to imagine this game show, it's going to take a lot longer because instead of three doors, there is a million and one doors. Okay. Just try to visualize that. I want our audience to imagine a million and one doors. I mean, that's that's unimaginable Uh because it's such a big number. Yes. Now, I tell you that behind one of those doors is a car Uh and behind the million other doors... There are goats.
1: <laughs> lots of goats.
0: There are lots of goats. This okay. is not a this is not a program that's gonna be easy to clean. No. Okay. <laughs> now here's the deal. You pick a door and so you pick door three out okay. of the number from a million, from and a million to a million from one to a million and one okay. and you pick door three. Yes. Okay. Now I know where the car is. Now I'm gonna open up I open up nine hundred and ninety-nine thousand nine hundred and ninety-eight doors to reveal all goats so now it's down to door three and door uh 2017 with me yes okay so the question is do you switch or stick or does it not matter now let's think about it now from this vantage point when you pick door three Mm -hmm. forgetting about the actual technical math what's the likelihood that you pick the car there's a million and one doors with a million goats Yes, she's tiny, making, I mean, so basically zero. than I So can, essentially zero. Yes, yeah. So probabilistically, this is not, I'm about to say it's not mathematically true, but probabilistically, you're basically guaranteed that you, you, you picked the wrong door. Right. Because you can't pick the right door. It's Correct. hidden there. So you picked it's like pounding a particular grain of sand on the Sahara Desert. So you know going into this that you picked the wrong door. So you pick door three because you have to say something, but you know it's wrong. Sure. Okay, now it's possible that you got fantastic fantastically lucky, and you did pick it. But the likelihood of that is almost zero. Yes, minuscule. Okay. Now I open all the other doors but one, and so the probability of getting the, having the, the car be behind that first door was almost zero, which means what's the probability of having the car behind that remaining door that's not open yet? It must be enormous. It's almost 100%. If you haven't come across it already. Well, we know that he's going to – Monty's only going to open Only up open the, goat doors. You only okay. open goat doors. There's nothing random about right. that. Right. So now the question is – do you switch in that case or not? You, you're guaranteed in your mind that you picked the wrong one. Sure. You'd be fantastically lucky if you did. Sure. The other door that's remaining is the door that is basically a Oh, yeah. A in that
1: case, yeah, you switch.
0: Exactly. And that's also true with the three doors.
1: Even with only three.
0: And turns out the probability you can work it out is by not switching, which is what you decided yes. to not do, you're only going to win a third of the time. So, yes, you will win. One out of three times on average. But by switching, you're going to win two out of three times. So it's more likely that you will win by switching. So whenever you're given a scenario like that, you always switch. You might lose, but the chances and the odds are better if you switch.
1: Does that apply to like multiple choice answers on a test? So if you narrow it, if you've got, you know, A, B, C, and D, and you know that A and C are wrong because they're just goofy answers. You've got it down to B and D. And you B is your first choice, and then you, you come back and review it, as all good test takers do. They skip ones they can't get and come back to it. And you go, eh, you know what? Uh, is it B? But now maybe D. I don't know. Should I switch? Should I stick? Does that work for multiple choice tests too?
0: That's a brilliant question. Uh, the answer is it's a different scenario because here all the doors are the same, and you're not being biased by anything that's kind of extra information. Here you're biased by the by the potential answers. And so with multiple choice tests, I say always go with your first gut and stick there. However, I will say that if you're taking a multiple choice test and you are not given any of the answers, but you immediately get rid of A and B and you, your initial guess is, is D, then absolutely switch. So if you do not have any other information, it's always better to, to switch. But if you actually have information, then you have to go with that. I How love- interesting is that?
1: This is fascinating. And thank you so much. This is a life too old. I love having this. Now, thank you so much, Ed, for helping us keep our brain sharp. Dr. Ed Berger is president of Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas. You can find out more at southwestern.edu. And you can keep your brain busy by keeping up with the news and other episodes of Higher Ed at KUT.org or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jennifer Staten, KUT News.